0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from the thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring our regular guest, two-time World Series champion, former Giants reliever, George Contos.
0: Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, so he's going to run things his way, and I'm sure with Farhan, they've had their discussions on what the best course of action is for the ball club.
1: Inside China Basin is brought to you by Canes Tire in San Rafael, the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. And George Contos will be back again next week. This week, we have a special guest for you. Former Giants pitcher and NBC Sports Bay Area analyst, Sean Estes joined me on Tuesday while he was in the car. Here was that conversation. Well, Sean, thanks so much for joining me here on Inside China Basin. Really appreciate it. Uh, I know you're on a trip right now, so tell me a little bit about where you are. I know you're headed to Albuquerque, right?
0: Yeah, I'm about 20 miles from the Petrified Forest uh, here on Highway 40, about halfway between Scottsdale and Albuquerque. And, uh it's really, uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about or even look at. It's probably one of the most boring drives you could actually take in a car. Um, I've done it before. It's been a long time. The last time I made this trip, I was in AAA with the Dodgers, believe it or not, in Albuquerque. And, uh, and I said, I said I'd never make this drive again. And here I am going to see my, uh, 17 year old son's baseball tournament out in Albuquerque.
1: Hey, that's being a good dad right there. I love that. Good job. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, even better,
0: it's even better of me because I, I, I flew him out there Saturday, and I'm the one sucking it up and driving so we can drive back together. <laughs> so I might I might actually make – and he can drive now, so I might actually split the trip with him on the way home.
1: Gives you a chance to clear your head, though, right? I mean, that's the good thing about long drives. You, you can sort of clear your mind. You get to think about things. You're by yourself.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean – when I was younger and I, I learned how to drive and probably up until about uh, maybe two, three years ago, I used to dread long road trips in the car. I, I just I wanted to get to where I was going as fast as possible. Uh, they bored the heck out of me. As I'm getting older now and I've always I, I've, I've heard this and, and it was why you know my dad would always love to go long drives and I was like, how can you possibly enjoy that? Well, I'm, I'm here now. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the old guy that, like, really looks forward to getting in his car and driving. And like you said, you know, it's very therapeutic for me. Uh, I can put on a podcast, maybe even throw a, a book on, on uh, you know, and you can listen to it over the uh, – the, in, in the car. And, and uh, you can kind of just zone out, set the cruise control at nine miles an hour over the speed limit, and uh, it, it just kind of enjoy the drive. And, and like you said, it's, it's a good way to kind of like think, uh, you know, there's a lot going on, you know, in, in our lives right now. And so it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's actually, I'm enjoying the drive so far.
1: Wow. We have something in common too. I always set the cruise control at nine miles over. It just feels like, you know, you're going to get in there, you know, you want to get a little bit more over the speed limit, but you don't want the police to pull you over. So you go nine instead of 10.
0: Well, I've I've actually done some research on this, and I've asked I've asked some uh, some sheriffs, police, you know, and, and asked. I'm like, what What is that magic number, you know, that you don't want to go over? And they said, you know, we look for anybody going ten or over the speed limit, and on on the freeways especially. So I'm like, so I'm pretty safe at nine. And like, yeah, yeah, you're golden at nine.
1: <laughs> so what you do is you set it at nine,
0: and then if you see one, you just tap the brakes and uh, you know, you're never really gonna get caught. At least, that, that, from my experience, that's been the case. But you never know. You know, you're between between Scottsdale and Albuquerque. Uh, you never know when uh, you know when when it's time to get your numbers or you know pull over somebody that's you know with out of state plates just to just to check and see what's going on. So you, you have to be a little bit more. Uh, I, I, I got my head on a swivel a little bit more now where I'm at. You know, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Please get bored out here, I'm sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm on guard.
1: I have, I have a couple of segues going on here. I mean, later we're going to talk about spider tack and the checks and all that, and that kind of reminds me of, you know, when you have uh, California Highway Patrol or whatever, you know, patrol officers looking at you. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to say is that you know what the worst drive is? When you're in the major leagues and you get sent down to the minors, now you got to drive to that – minor league city, or you might, you know, unless you're flying. Uh, And for right now, for Lamont Wade Jr. and Jason Vossler, that's the case. They have probably had to drive to Sacramento after they were optioned. And it was kind of eye-opening for a lot of people, I think, Sean, that Wade was sent down. I know, you know, he has options. Dickerson and Ruff are coming back. There are other players like Talkman who, you know, does not have options, so you're not going to send him out. But the way Wade was playing, it was such a shame to see him sent down to the minors, wasn't it?
0: Well, he's been a spark at the top of that lineup, especially against right-handed pitching. I think he's exceeded expectations, at least from a fan perspective, because they didn't really know who Lamont Wade Jr. was. Uh, If they'd done some research, they knew that he was traded for Sean Anderson, an arm that the Giants really coveted. And, uh, and, you know, he had a cup of coffee earlier this year. He's had some major league time with the Twins. But since he's been back up with the Giants, the second go around, wow, he's really opened some eyes and really solidified the top of the lineup. Just having quality at bat after quality at bat, and then doing some damage uh, with the home run ball. Just really doing what you're supposed to do at the top of the lineup, making it a very difficult at bat for a starting pitcher to start a game off with. When you know you throw a ton of pitches, and it's a guy that you can't you can't make a mistake over the middle part of the plate, or he could leave the yard on you. So he's been he's been really. Um, everything that Farhan thought he would be. Unfortunately, it is a game of options, and when you have them, you're at a disadvantage when you have a, a, a deep a deep roster like the Giants do, and you have veterans that have proven themselves, and now you come down to a, a roster with Dickerson and Ruff coming off the IL, two guys that have proven themselves uh, at the big league level that have been major contributors to this team for the last couple of years. So, yeah, you're going to be the odd man out. Now, I think a lot of people would say, well, why not Mike Talkman? He hasn't done much offensively since he's been a giant. Uh, but you know, he's a guy that they did, Farhan did trade for. He gave up uh, Peralta, which was a good arm. He gave up a, a, a young power hitter in the minor leagues for Talkman. And he, quite frankly, he's made two really big catches this year. Uh, he does go up there and give you a tough at bat. Just haven't seen a lot of results as far as offensive numbers, as far as average wise um but he's an asset to your team. I mean, they like what they see. They feel like that he can, you know, battle his way out of this slump offensively, but he does provide offensively, and I think they're going to give him a little bit longer rope than people probably would like to see based on, you know, you have two guys in Bosler and Wade that have done pretty pretty good things as Giants. So, um doesn't mean that Lamont Wade Jr. and, and Jason Bossler are going to go down to San- Sacramento and rot. No, they're going to go down, get at bats, uh, and, and we'll probably see one of those two guys, if not both of them, in the near future, just based on what we've seen injury-wise from this from this giant roster. They'll both be the next man up. So you can't hang your head. you got to go down there, put your work in, take what you've learned at the big league level, apply that at AAA, continue to get to go out there and put up quality at-bats, and we're going to see these guys sooner than, than probably later. And they're going to make a major contribution still moving forward to this giant um
1: to, to, the, to be able to help this giant team win yeah i agree it's a good problem to have with all this depth right now uh we definitely uh, liked what we saw i think from sammy long pitching on sunday i was at the game his first major league start and it didn't look like he was all that nervous about it i mean he's throwing a really good curveball against the phillies you know handled uh, most of the hitters pretty well uh you know bryce harper had a lot of trouble with him what do you think about his outing and uh, what his future is as a starter
0: yeah, I mean, we'll have to see moving forward. He hasn't faced been faced with a ton of adversity yet. I like the fact that they're starting him rather than bring him bringing him in after an opener. I never really have loved the opener as a whole. Um, I feel like that it's hit or miss, and and you know they've hit a couple times, but they definitely missed the last time. I I believe that when you're a starting pitcher, and and you've been a starting pitcher, you know. Building up to get to the big leagues, that you really become accustomed to your routines and more starting pitcher than anything, because you know it, it boils down to what you do the night before, what you have for dinner the night before, what you do in preparing uh, for that for that start, and really it's it's the pregame preparation that you have the the hour to a half an hour before you actually take the mound, especially at home where you can gauge you know the start time you know that you're going to take the mound at 7.05 or 6.35, whatever the game time is, and you know exactly what you need to do to prepare to get ready for that start. And it just makes you – mentally it puts you more at ease to know when you're going to actually take the mound. Now, obviously on the road it's a little different because you don't know when that half inning is going to end, but the preparation going into that start before you head into the dugout in the top of the first inning, waiting go, to go out and pitch the bottom of the first, that 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 stays the same. And so, I believe that it just really you get the, you're going to get the best out of that starting pitcher if he starts the game. So I love the fact that they gave Sammy Long a start in that game. I love the fact that he went out there and he attacked the strike zone from from the first batter. Now the Phillies have some pretty good thump in that lineup, but he had to witness. The day before, the Phillies put, putting up a ton of runs. Now, that yeah. can get in your head to a, a little bit for a young pitcher uh, where you think, oh, my gosh, these guys are banging right now. I'm going to really have to be on my game. And a lot of times young pitchers will try to nibble. They won't attack hitters, maybe a little bit afraid of contact, but that's not what I saw. So I love the fact that he went out there and he, he was aggressive. Um, you know, the fastball plays, but the curveball... You know, is what's going to keep him in the big leagues. Uh, The changeup's going to be a big pitch for him as well. Him landing that curveball for strikes, throwing it when he wants to for balls, I mean, it's an above-average pitch. It's one of the better curveballs you're going to see in the big leagues, and he's going to have to ride that pitch. But he also has to realize that if he doesn't have that pitch early in games, he needs to continue to stick with it until he finds that, because that's going to be the pitch. That's the neutralizer. That's the pitch that you have in the back of those hitters' minds, which makes your fastball play a lot better. Because his fastball is pretty straight. And he throws, he has pretty good command of it. The velocity is anywhere from 90 to 95. But if he doesn't have that breaking ball to go with the fastball, um, you know, he may feel a little bit like he's out there on an island. Fortunately, he has that third weapon and is a changeup. So I like his repertoire, but I want to see how he pitches, you know, through a little adversity. I want to see how he utilizes, you know, all three of his pitches if he doesn't have his breaking ball on a given day, how he goes about pitching and having success. So that's all things that we're going to have to see moving forward. And that's all really part of just the mental game and the maturity process of being a young guy pitching in the big leagues, but it's also fun to watch. He has a lot of confidence right now based on how he's pitched so far as a big leaguer. He seems to have a lot of confidence already for Kepler talk about it but now it's going to be you know can he ride this this confidence out there and if he and at some point he's going to hit a roadblock he's going to hit some he's going to have to like hit some adversity and I want to see how he handles that
1: I'm sure you could relate to that first major league start too I mean I know the circumstances were different for him than for you when you had yours because I mean he's pitching at home he's got friends and family in the stands he's from Sacramento uh, you, I saw, September the 16th, 1995, you had your Major League debut in Pittsburgh, your first Major League start, and you struck out your first two batters. I saw Jacob Brumfield and Jay Bell. So can you go back to that and what was going through your mind and how you can maybe relate to Sammy Long?
0: Yeah, well, I believe Sammy Long's ready to pitch in the big leagues. Uh, I feel like that he's just more battle-tested mentally just based on what he's gone through. Uh I mean, he has been on the pretty on the fast track this year. Um, but with that being said, he's a little bit more experienced as far as age-wise. I, I he believes that he. I mean, he has a lot more confidence than I did in 1995. Uh, I was on the fast track as well that year. Yet I wasn't ready to pitch in the big leagues. I knew that the Giants were just really kind of seeing what they had. They had traded for me earlier that year for Solomon Torres. They saw that I had a lot of success in the minor leagues, ending at the Double A level. I hadn't pitched in Triple A yet, so I knew I probably wasn't I probably wasn't ready to pitch in the big leagues. But you know, I was going to go out there and and, and do do my best. And I remember having that first inning in Pittsburgh, and I felt, well, wait a second, maybe I do belong in the big leagues. (laughs) And then you know, and then things didn't go as well after that, and I didn't win a game. In those three starts that I did make, but I, I got my feet wet. I knew that I had the ability to pitch in the big leagues, but I, I kind of knew that I needed some fine tuning still. And the giants realized that as well. And next year I, I went for three months in AAA to get some seasoning. But when I got back to the big leagues in 1996 at the all-star break, I knew I was there to stay. And my first start against the Dodgers was maybe one of my best starts of my career but it, it proved to me that I belonged in the big leagues and that I was there to stay. But uh, the three months I had in AAA were invaluable. So I always kind of look at, you know, my debut as being that, that start in, in, in L.A. Because that was the one, where, yeah, that's the one where I felt that when I finished pitching that game that I was, I was in the big leagues to stay. I had the confidence that I knew that I could, I could pitch there consistently. 95, little different story. It was almost just uh, I was showcasing, you know, my stuff and what the Giants traded for, but really wasn't ready mentally for it. But it seems like Sammy Long's much further along than I was mentally from a confidence standpoint. And uh, he believes that he can, you know, in Texas. Just, you know, that's a good Texas lineup in their home park. They can hit the ball in the ballpark. They got a lot of power up and down that lineup and he wasn't phased at all. So, like I said, every pitcher that comes up that hasn't had a lot of experience is going to be faced with some adversity, and they're going to – I mean, you're seeing it with Alex Wood, a seasoned veteran, being faced with adversity right now, but he's had the experience to come out of it. He's had the experience to know what it takes to get back to where he needs to be to have success. Uh, I I just – the jury's still out with any young pitcher – I hope he never has to go through it, but it's inevitable he will.
1: I'll tell you what, Oracle Park seems to be a lot different these days. Um, I don't know if it's because they closed the archways. I don't know if it's because Sunday the wind was blowing out. Now, this is the first game I attended in two years because of COVID, and it seemed like any hard-hit ball, it was flying. And, you know, the Giants hit four home runs in that game on Sunday. What do you think? I mean, is it the baseball? Is it the ballpark? There's something different going on. I mean, obviously the Giants are leading the major leagues in home runs, and we would never expect that from a team that plays at Oracle Park, no matter who's in the lineup. But, you know, the ball is really flying. So what have you thought about it?
0: Well, day games sometimes at Oracle, especially if the
1: wind pattern
0: is, you know, if it's going out to a certain field, it can play a lot smaller. It can play actually very it can be very hitter-friendly at times. On average, though, it doesn't definitely favors the pitcher. I think all those things kind of factor into it, but I think the most important thing, and we have to start giving these hitters some credit, I mean, they, they are hitting the ball hard. These Up and down the lineup, they have the ability to hit the ball of the ballpark. And we've seen it on any given day where, you know, Mauricio Delvon hitting in the 8-hole, uh, Jason Vossler hitting in the 7-hole, uh, you know, Lamont Wade Jr. hitting at the top of the lineup. Obviously, we know the guys that have power, Buster, and Crawford, and Felt, Mongoria, and Dickerson, uh, Flores, and Yastrzemski. I mean, we know those guys have power, but you're starting to let Duggar. Let's, let's, let's not fail to mention, you know, Duggar and, and his breakout season, power number-wise, all these guys have the ability to hit the ball in the ballpark, and a lot of it has to do just based on the hard work they put in, the hitting coaches and their ability to kind of make some tweaks with these guys, these guys' swings to help them get the ball in the air, help them hit the ball hard, help them prepare to do damage with strikes, uh, help them, you know, be able to have a game plan when they go up to the plate and take close pitches because they're not going to be able to drive those pitches. Not have these, I mean, have these hitters not be afraid to still have to still take big two-strike swings. I mean, you talk about, you know, there's no two-strike approach anymore, but if you have a good game plan with two strikes and you and you have the ability to hit the ball, you know, in the strike zone and take a big swing at it and still have the ability to do damage, uh, you know, that plays. You're not just swinging to swing. You're not just swinging to swing hard. You're swinging in pitches that you know that you can drive, and that's that's an organizational philosophy, but you have to have the players in on that roster that are willing to implement that and go up there and, and now execute. And so we're seeing that. We're seeing these hitters hit the ball harder. We're seeing them get the ball in the air. We've seen Crawford, we've seen Longoria be able to get the ball air on a more consistent basis this year where, you know, they're hitting a lot of hard ground balls in the past, but hard ground balls don't play anymore. The shifts are taking those hits away. Uh, and so now they're like, okay, well, if I can't hit the ball hard on the ground, now I need to find a way to get some elevation and hit the ball hard in the air. And now they're seeing not just balls hit hard in the air, they're seeing them leave the ballpark. At home, on the road, it doesn't matter. If, you have, if you're barreling baseballs and you have exit velocity of over 100 miles per hour, you're going to see a lot more balls leave the yard, and that's what we're seeing out of these giants hitters. So I think you have to give a lot of credit to actually the hitters and implementing the philosophies of the organization, and, and then the pitching and then the hitting coaches being able to stay on top of things and trusting those guys and what they say, um, you know, and, and what they say based on their preparation and really believing in, in their their thought process. So I think it's a it's a collaborative effort right now that we're seeing really come to fruition on the field.
1: We'll have more with former Giants lefty Sean Estes from NBC Sports Bay Area right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Cane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Cane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Cane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Cane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give them a call at 415 453 that's 415 453 2942 for Kane's Tire. All right, earlier you were talking about going nine miles over the speed limit, and it kind of makes me think of what's going on right now in Major League Baseball with the checks on pitchers as far as using a foreign substance because, uh, you know, if you're using a little something, maybe that's like going nine miles over the speed limit, but if you're using spider tack, to me that's like driving 90 miles an hour. You know, you're, you're really trying to get that edge. First question for you, Sean, is how much of an edge is that? I mean, of course we're seeing the the spin rates and all that, but in your mind, is spider tack, you know, the be-all, end-all of trying to cheat as far as the substances? And, and where do you draw the line? I mean, what do you think as far as the way pitchers were going about this and the way it's going to change everything?
0: Yeah, I think it doesn't affect the guys, that the elite pitchers, as much. Uh, you know, we saw the Jacob deGrom stuff last night. You know, I mean, 101 without, with or without spider tack is still 101. It's still going to be tough to square up. The stuff that he features is still going to be elite. It's still going to be swing and miss stuff, with or without substance. The Garrett Coles, same thing. Uh, you know, there, there definitely isn't a, a level of pitcher where it's, it's not going to affect it. I feel like it, it's more like the average pitcher in the big leagues, where without better spin. On the fastball, on the breaking ball, it definitely it, it, it provides an advantage for these pitchers. It definitely takes them to that next level. The average pitcher becomes above average. The good breaking ball becomes great. The spin on the fastball up in the zone becomes less hittable. It has a little bit more carry because you do get create a little bit more spin on a four seam fastball. Maybe a two seam fastball, you end up getting a little bit more sink. That it's a game of inches when it comes to to, to hitting um, on the barrel of the bat or just off the barrel of the bat can mean the difference in a home run or, or a long fly out. I mean, it really does come down to that. Uh, a little an extra inch on your breaking ball can be the difference between a swing and miss. In um, a ground ball that can get through the hole. I mean, we're talking about the game of inches. So I absolutely feel like that it's definitely shifted pitcher favorite. pitcher favorite be with the spider tack. And I'm talking about the guys that, you know, kind of on the fence of being big league, AAA pitchers, and even guys that are really good big league pitchers It makes them great. It, it definitely gives them an advantage. And that's why we're seeing higher strikeouts, uh, we're seeing lower batting averages. Uh, it it, it definitely does parallel with with this extra spin rate. So if we could level the playing field a little bit with making an average breaking ball stay average where it gives the hitters a little bit better opportunity to square that up or a fastball that doesn't have as much life at the top of the strike zone and hitters are able to get on top of that pitch and do some damage with it, uh, I'm in favor of that because – you know, I, I I do believe that they are gaining an unfair advantage, which I, I I don't I don't think that's right. So I I definitely think the policing of this substance of, of the of this of these substances has to be done. I don't love the timing of it in the middle of a season. I feel like the Major League Baseball becomes is they're very a, a knee-jerk reaction um, type of it's a knee-jerk reaction thing right now, and I I feel like it's something that maybe. They could have waited until the offseason to to really to really nail it down for next year to make it a little less uh, – I, I look at it as invasive, maybe even less subjective too based on the umpires. So I don't like subjective because it, it's all based on opinion. And spider tack. I mean, there's ways to get grip on a baseball that are legal. And I think that that's where we need to get back to is, is the rosin and sweat – um, you know, whatever it you know it might be where you need to get a little bit better grip because, quite frankly, some of the balls out there are a lot slicker, you know, than, than other baseballs based on how they're rubbed up, based on the environment they're pitching in, and it really is difficult. Especially, you know, if you can't get a seam, some baseballs are different as far as the seams you can grip. Now, granted, you can throw it out and get a, a ball that you know has a little bit better seam, so you can get a little better torque on that on that on the scene for your breaking ball. But moving forward, I, I just don't know how well it'll be implemented. I don't, I mean, we saw yesterday, there was a lot of, you know, I think there was a lot of, like, giggling going on, uh, chuckling between the umpires and the pitchers. I don't think the umpires like it. I think it's one of those things they just have to do, and I think after a couple weeks or three weeks, um, it'll just become more of a formality with these umpires. I I, I don't think they want to do it, but I hope that it becomes more of a deterrent for the pitchers because, like I said, I think it, becomes, it its a huge advantage. So, players that want to cheat, they're going to find a way to cheat. They're going—they're going to push the envelope a little bit. It'll be interesting to see the first player that gets caught, how how that affects the team, how that affects the rest of baseball. I, think, I feel like it is scaring a little bit. I mean, it's scaring most of the players right now into not doing it, but I think that over time we'll see it kind of be reintroduced somehow, some way. I just want to see how that's going to happen and how it will all play out. It's just one of those things right now. It's a wait-and-see approach. But, I mean, I, I, I'm on the side of, of Major League Baseball – realizing something has to be done. I don't know if this is the best way to do it, although I don't have a solution right
1: now. I mean, to me, the spider tack seems pretty obvious. That You know, that is major cheating right there. But other than that, it seems like some of the other stuff that's being used, uh, you know, it might be borderline. What are your thoughts about it? Because, you, like you said, you want to be able to grip the baseball. And, uh, you know, with steroids, that was pretty obvious. If somebody's taking you know a performance enhancing drug that's cheating and you know that that's really bad but if you're a pitcher who's trying to get a grip on a baseball you know, where do you draw the line because you're obviously trying to get a little bit of an edge but you also have the morality question am i cheating or am i not cheating right here
0: yeah that's it's it's, the, it's that gray area i mean it's 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 like it's all or nothing you know you can't really say cuz you can't you can't decipher um, Spider tack from anything else. Like I mean, I, I don't know how you do that. Uh, you know, back in the day, the, some catchers would put some pine tar in the in the um, in their glove. You know, or they'd have it on their shin guard, and they give a little tap. You know, they give a little tap to it, and they throw the baseball back. So you'd have a little bit of you know a little sup on the ball. They get a bit better grip on. Um, there's all kinds of way to get a better grip. Sunscreen and rosin, um, shaving cream. <laughs> with the old lanolin in it now i mean you can put that on your hands and, and rub it around and, and it gives you a little bit better tack to me those type of things aren't going to make it a huge difference on spin rate uh i think when you're dealing with spider tack it, it just to another level but how do you discer- how do you decipher that between that and a little bit of shaving cream or a little bit of, uh, of sunscreen where you get a little bit of tackiness on your hand on your finger uh you know, umpires can't see that if they're checking. All they feel is, is, is a little bit of stickiness. You know, so, like, how do you know the difference? And you don't. So it's all or nothing. It's either it's either you, you don't use anything or you allow everything. So I, I don't know. I mean, there's ways, you know, where you can chew You can chew gum, like right, bubble gum, and because of your, the saliva in your mouth is sticky, <laughs> you know, you, you're allowed to go to your fingers and not wipe off, or you can fake wipe off, and then you can rub the baseball up with your hand. And there's all there's the, there's the, the sticky saliva that you have that helps to get a little bit better grip. Um, what's why can't that be done now? Well, you walk off the field and you have a little stickiness from the from the gum, and now all of a sudden you got you're using you're using an illegal substance. So. I, it's, it's, it's very difficult right now because, you know, it, it, there is places where, especially these drier climates, Arizona, Colorado, um, you know, where it's really difficult to get a good grip on the baseball. It, it, it becomes slippery. It's hard to throw, harder to throw your breaking ball. Uh, hitters become more at risk now, especially with the stuff that guys are featuring, where balls slip out, you get hit, you hurt somebody. You know, you need a little bit something to get a grip on the baseball. That's a little bit, you know, the, that's that's special situations. I think the majority of the ballparks, especially during the summer, you're going to sweat a little bit. It's humid. You can use rosin and sweat to get a little bit better grip. But like, it, it, at what point is are you going to get your fingers checked in between innings? And that's going to they're going to feel tackiness. I mean. That's where it becomes subjective from an umpire's point of view. So, like I said, it'll be interesting to see the way things play out, but I don't, there's too much gray area right now. I think it's all or nothing.
1: I agree with you, and I also don't think they should have done this in the middle of the season. There was a funny moment in the Dodgers Padres game, I thought, when Arias came out after the first inning and they're checking him. And he had given up four runs to the Padres. I was thinking the Padres would probably say, why are you checking him? Leave him alone. He's giving us, you know, good pitches to hit right now, you know? So it's like, you're going to check the guy no matter what, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes. And also, you know, it even goes deeper than all this. You know, it's like, you know, what if, and I'm I'm, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but when you leave it in the hands of an umpire – in his discretion, um, you know, who's to say that he may not just – I mean, maybe you do have a little stickiness, but it's not spider tack, and you're totally innocent in that. Um, maybe you'll have the rosin and sweat combination that helps you get a grip, and all of a sudden an umpire, you know, he has a personal vendetta against a pitcher or, um, you know, God forbid, you know, he's got something at stake in the game. Now, I mean, I understand, you know, as a home plate umpire, you can always determine the outcome of a game based on a ball or strike, you know, in a big situation. But now you would give them even more um, say in an outcome of a game, you know, where a Jacob deGrom starts a game and you know that, you know, he's pretty difficult to hit. He's going to probably have probably going to be the winning pitcher in that game or his team's going to have a pretty good chance to win. I just don't want a third party just being that, having that much say in the outcome of a game. Now you actually can suspend a player. You can eject a player based on your opinion. Yeah. Really? I mean, it it comes down to that. So I don't like that. It just, it it feels, it feels shady. It feels like there's got to be a better
1: way. Maybe they need spider-tack pre, like you have TSA pre at the airport. So if you have a good reputation, then you can get through it quicker, or they just don't even check you uh, because, you know, we need that. At the airport before they had TSA pre, I mean, I, I think I was going crazy. I, I love TSA pre, so maybe they could do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, right. I or, or, yeah, so maybe they come up with a substance that is not quite – is sticky is, is spider tack? It doesn't give you that much of more of an advantage, yet it still allows you to get a little bit better grip on the baseball.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: you know, make make it make it available to all all pitchers. Yeah, uh, how you gonna right? I mean, okay, but then the pitcher says, "Well, gosh, that helps a little bit." But spider tack plus, not spider tack pre. Spider Tech Plus makes me that much better, right? Right. Um, you know, so then they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna find a way to use that. I just, I don't know what to say about all this. I, I really don't. Um, I, I like I said, it, it's an all or nothing thing, but at the same time, it's it, it's it's discretionary with umpires, and and it becomes very subjective, and I, and I and I don't like that. I mean, I think the players the pitchers should look at this as an opportunity as well. Like if they're going to have umpires checking their hats, their gloves, maybe use it as an opportunity to butter up the umpire, maybe make it a lighter moment, maybe put something in the hat that tells them like how much, how great they've been calling the game up to that point or how much they enjoy, uh, you know, how, how, you know what I mean? Like may, you know, maybe say something nice to the umpire in the hat. Like, gosh, you've always been my favorite umpire, uh, I've always really enjoyed watching your work behind the plate. I think you're doing an unbelievable job. Uh, you, know, you know, God bless your family, whatever it is. You know, maybe make it a lighter moment to butter up an umpire. You know, right? You never really have that one-on-one interaction with an umpire on the field. And so uh, use, it as a, use it to your advantage if you're a pitcher. Why not?
1: <laughs> I love that idea. All right, before I let you go, Sean, there is a great pitching matchup coming up on Wednesday in L.A., Giants and Angels, with Kevin Gosman against Shohei Ohtani. I mean, this is one of those that you really look forward to. It's a day game. Uh, Gosman, if, if it weren't for the great pitching of Jacob deGrom, I mean, he would be the Cy Young Award frontrunner. He would start the All-Star game for sure. Uh, but there is Jacob deGrom having the great season. But, man, Gosman has been great. Ohtani, you, you can't take your eyes off of him. This is going to be special.
0: Well, if you like split finger fastballs, uh, tune in tomorrow because you're gonna get a heavy you're going you're gonna get a heavy dose of them. Uh, two of the best split fingers in baseball, two of the best fastballs in baseball, two of the best pitchers in baseball. Stuff wise, high strikeout, uh, electric stuff. Two pitchers on top of their game. Uh, Kevin Gossman's got to be at a disadvantage because Shohei gets to face Gossman. Gossman. Doesn't Gosman has to face Otani? So it's almost like you know they're a man up already. are they're they're in LA. Yeah, so right? they
1: won't be batting unless you know they're, they want to take away the DH. Right. Yeah,
0: that's right. They're they're in LA. I was thinking they were at home. Well, yes. Yeah, so it's it's definitely um, you know the Giants do do get the advantage with the DH, but Gosman's got to face Otani as well. So. Uh, that'll be fun, theater, right? Just, just to watch those two, you know, pitcher, hitter. But Shohei's a, he's a unicorn. He's going to be a, he, There's nobody that, that's like him that has ever played the game, and I don't think we'll ever get to see somebody like him, play, unless it's another Japanese player or foreign player that, you know, has, a, has a, the ability to prove himself at their big league level, Korea. Taiwan, Japan, any other country that has a major leagues, because there's not gonna it's not gonna be allowed with with in, in major league baseball and in the you know, or the minor leagues. This organizations aren't gonna allow that to happen. So enjoy what we're seeing now because this guy is fun to watch. Uh, he's taking the league by storm right now, just doing what he's doing as far as his power numbers. I just, you know, I just, I'm, t- I'm tuning in. Absolutely, it, it, it's going to be must see TV and and one of the premier matchups of the season at this point.
1: Sean, thanks a lot for taking the time uh, on your drive. Be safe. And by the way, you're doing such a fantastic job on NBC Sports Bay Area. Everybody's loving uh, what they're seeing from you. Uh, I know you really enjoy it too, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've always enjoyed the pre and post stuff. Uh, it's allowed me to. to Step into the booth and uh, i'm allowing that as I mean, i'm enjoying that as well just be kind of given the opportunity and it's a new challenge it's a difficult one it's not easy uh the guys that the giants uh you know have in place obviously kruko kuiper Fleming, Miller, uh, they make it they make it seem pretty easy uh just because they're so talented but they uh it's not that easy. I, there's, there's, it takes a lot of reps to get to where they're at, so hopefully I'll be able to continue to get those reps and uh, you know be around for a while.
1: Well, Yeah, definitely doing an outstanding job on it. I, I appreciate your time today, and uh, we'll see you again when you get back to the Bay Area. Good luck on that drive.
0: All right, Joe. Appreciate it.
1: That's former Giants pitcher Sean Estes. George Contos will be back again next week. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening to Inside China Basin from the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.